You're listening to the Beltway Briefing, a podcast from Cozen O'Connor Public Strategies with perspectives from both sides of the aisle. Now for political insight and strategy, let's get started with your hosts. Hi, this is Caitlin Martin. I'm Towner French. This is Patrick Martin. This is Mark Alderman. This is Howard Schweitzer. All right. We got a crew today. Caitlin Martin, Towner French, and Tristan Bro. And um, Mark and Patrick are on assignment. I don't know where they are. I know where Mark is. Mark's in New York. He's working from New York, uh, doing the Lord's work, hanging out with our partner, Stuart Shorenstein, which is the Lord's work. And the new governor. And the new governor. Uh, And Patrick is running around Chicago with clients and in-person meetings. So, So all good. So it's just the four of us today. And look, it's been two weeks since we've been together and it's just crazy how much has happened in the world. We've got Omicron and just the resurgence of the pandemic and everything that means. And the University of Michigan beat Ohio State last weekend and we have the Big Ten Championship this weekend. So we've got Omicron and the University of Michigan. Which do you think I'd rather talk about? <laughs> I, think you're gonna, I think you're gonna be talking about that win for a long time a long time a long time i gotta milk it for all it's worth when it only happens once in a decade towner i'm entitled <laughs> i'm entitled um but let's start here this is d- december and it is cliff month in washington dc and uh towner talk us through what's going on where we are what's coming up yeah, I, you know, Congress has, uh, for the better part of a year especially, uh, gone out of their way to move back uh, or delay all cliffs that come their way. And uh, this is no different uh, December. Normally in December, Congress wraps everything up in a nice little bow and it happens right before uh, Christmas uh, and, and we all go home or maybe one issue stands out and they, they come back in between uh, uh, Christmas and New Year's to to wrap that up if it's a particularly difficult issue. Or like last year, Donald Trump decides he wants to veto a bunch of stuff and uh, keep everybody around the Capitol uh, through the holidays. But this year, we're just in push it back mode yet again. And so uh, we have had Congress now act to avert a government shutdown that was supposed to go into effect uh, this coming weekend. And uh, uh, frankly, they have uh, they have just decided to kick the can once again. Uh, February 18th will be the new uh, date by which uh, federal funding will run out. Uh, that will actually mean that uh, we are bordering on five of the 12 months of fiscal year 22 will be uh, operated under under an old budget under the fiscal year 21 budget, Donald Trump's last budget. Um, And so uh, they've kicked the can on that. We have obviously three other major pieces that we've been talking about week over week that uh, uh, that are coming up. Debt ceiling uh, predicted uh, by Secretary Yellen to expire as soon as December 15th. But we're getting a heck of a lot of uh, independent you know, really nonpartisan uh, scoring data that says that the federal government may be able to push that out 
at least until the end of December, if not uh, into January, especially. And one group came out and said it might even be early February. So everybody's waiting uh, to try to find out what Secretary Yellen's going to declare as the X date, uh, as we call the date that government funding expires. And so not much has been happening there outside of the fact that Mitch McConnell and Chuck Schumer had a conversation and it seemed to have been pleasant, uh, which could be the biggest news of the year, uh, quite frankly, at this point, uh, on the debt ceiling. And so we even thanked uh, Mitch McConnell by name today for helping pass the CR. It's amazing. It's amazing. It's a whole new world. Um, And uh, and so that's another piece. And then, of course, we have Build Back Better. Who knows what uh, President Manchin wants to do, but uh, he had made mention that uh, this might move into 2022 uh, at this point. But the Senate is is trying, Schumer's trying to move ahead uh, with some pace and would like to have it uh, be debated on the Senate floor the week of uh, December 13th. Uh, but we'll see if they can meet that metric as they work with the Senate parliamentarian to litigate a number of issues uh, that would arise under the budget reconciliation process. And then finally, defense authorization. The Senate ground to a halt this week, uh, trying to consider amendments to the defense authorization bill. They could not reach agreement. Uh, and so they have decided they're just going to bypass the Senate and see if uh, the House and Senate negotiators on the armed services committees, respectively, uh, can reach some agreement and they can bring it back to the House floor and Senate floor uh, next week. So those are our four pieces. That's sort of you know everything that's in play right now. Uh, everybody else is scrambling to try to catch a ride on one of those uh, now three remaining items. Uh, and uh, it looks like we're going to have a little bit more can kicking coming up. Tristan, weigh in. Tell us, um, first of all, do you think they get Build Back Better done by the end of the year? Absolutely not. Um, there's that no was emphatic. Way. That's a call right there. That was a big call. That was, that was, that was, I, I didn't even have to think about that. Uh, <laughs> absolutely not. There's um, there's a lot of concern amongst the Democratic caucus uh, as to what should be in, what should be taken out. As Towner says, uh, President Manchin is going to give his opinion. Um, I don't think that it, there's just not enough time in the Senate calendar. Um, to get all these things done as much as Chuck Schumer wants to give the president a victory in his first year. Um, he's going to have to count that as being his first year of, of from inauguration, not from, from, from the calendar year uh, for getting things done. Because this is going to be kicked. Ultimately, uh, now the appropriation has been kicked down to February. This is going to be kicked in, into January to give them time to hash out their, their differences. Sanders is pissed. Menendez is pissed. Tester is pissed. Um, you know, all these mansion is pissed, cinema is pissed. Uh, they got to come to some type of agreement with a. Who are they mad at? Each other, uh, really. But at the same time, because they have different objectives and what they want to accomplish and what they want to take out, and so um, you know, it's the moderate wing versus the progressive wing of um, you know the conversation. Moderates say we can talk to our Republican colleagues. Progressives are saying, why the hell do we have the House, the Senate, and the White House and not getting things done? Um, you know, it, I think I am in favor of the moderate approach. Can we work together uh, to have a bipartisanship? Uh, but the question is, is that stale? Uh, is that sexy anymore? You know, one thing I'll, I'll note, we all talked on this podcast in June and July about how December 17th was the date that right. they were they were going to pass Build Back Better. And I have to admit, in no way, shape or form did I think we were underbidding that date. 
when we made that call in, in June and July. But here we go. Caitlin, you must enjoy this. You must enjoy watching the Republicans eat their or the Democrats eat their own. I'm still holding firm on the fact that I'm not quite sure BBB is going to get done, but I, I think that's uh I'm taking taking the uh the over on that one. Um, you know, it's been interesting. It was it, like I said, it was really good to see, especially in the beltway, you see these deadlines in the CR and all week it was, oh my gosh, is government gonna shut down? What's gonna happen? We saw um, Senate Republicans work through a procedural maneuver to get a vote on um, stripping the White House vaccine mandate from private businesses. And but at the end of the day, they got it done. They got it done, you know, 24 hours really before the deadline. They passed a clean CR, um, went to the president this morning. And like I like I mentioned, you know, uh, Mitch McConnell got a nice little shout out from President Biden today for working with Schumer and Pelosi. McCarthy was not mentioned. I, I noticed that. But the other three were. Um, we're passing a clean CR. And, you know, I think that there's a lot going on in the country. And, and the longer we put off some of these really, in my view, bad progressive bills like BBB, the, the better. Towner, is it? So Caitlin mentioned that McCarthy wasn't mentioned. I guess my gut reaction to that is because when you're the you're the House minority leader, you just have no you you have you don't really have a seat at the table. Am I right? Am I right or wrong about that? You're mostly correct. However, one would imagine with a three-seat majority that the minority leader in the House would traditionally be thoroughly involved. Um, but it has been the MO of House Republicans to just not be involved in the process. They almost want to have complete hands-off. They're going to be a no vote. They understand that. And so why are we participating in the process? Meanwhile, McCarthy is going out of his way to appease the, the Trump base, to not get caught in a situation where it looks like he's negotiating with Pelosi and Schumer. He can't even be seen sitting at that table at the end of the day, making the decisions. And McCarthy, so, you mean? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Did I say? No, no, no. I, uh, no, no. But, but, that, but the ultimate result is that uh, House Republicans have not participated in the process for all intents and purposes in the final negotiations. They talk about you know, things in committee and they work with with their committee uh, subcommittees and, and the like to to help try to craft some things. But but at, at the final uh, table, McCarthy uh, has not been present. And Caitlin, is that right or wrong that McCarthy is sitting it out, that the R's are sitting it out? And I mean, is that right or wrong? Well, I think the House is fundamentally broken right now. Um, you know, we saw some Twitter fights spewing with members of the House Republican Caucus this week. And I just think a lot from a strategic perspective about winning the election, McCarthy is probably making the right move. Is it bad for um, the House of Representatives and and democracy maybe um but everything is about november everything is about the midterm elections everything is about taking back the house so that house republicans can lead and move forward with their agenda tristan for a, a former democratic house staffer what's your view on on the r's and and the way they're playing this you know Policy-wise, I've always leaned more conservative than liberal. 
Um, and it's because aligning with policies, most people don't know this. Well, most people, most of my close friends do. Um, I'm actually pro-life. Um, I am actually, uh, I have very religious beliefs as it relates to same-sex marriage. Um, you know, it, it is, it, it is difficult for me to watch a party who has, who have traditionally stood for such strong traditional moral values have absolutely none in this Congress. And I feel like the Republican Party is better than that. Um, and I feel like they've always stood on the rule of law. They've stood on, on principle and they've stood on Christian conservative values. But just the words that members are saying um, and using against colleagues as a former staffer, I'm embarrassed, to be honest, um, because, I mean, it's 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 above you um, uh, to be a, you know, as far as a staffer. But for the member, it's beneath them. It's beneath their office that they hold. And I think it's just disrespectful to the institution. And so I, I can't see them as, as much as I would love to agree with Caitlin of, you know, getting to November and, and getting into the majority and doing something. Their credibility is shot at this point as a party for me as a former staff. And I think we're are we alluding to the Nancy Mace versus yeah Marjorie <laughs> Taylor Green spat. That that's just this week's news, and that's and I don't want to spend. I feel like we do this every week. You all want to beat up on there, and yes, I agree. No, House I'm Republican not beating caucus up. is a little bit of a mess, but not, yes, that's what that's what we were referring to. Howard. No, I'm not beating up. I just. I'm, I'm, we, it is reference. So it's news. I'm, and, and it's not, it's just, I think everybody that listens to this wants us to try to, try to um, sort out who's playing what role. And I mean, look at this. It is, it's pretty pathetic. It's pretty pathetic that in talking about the role that the Republicans are playing in very important legislation, that inevitably the conversation um, goes to Marjorie Taylor Greene and 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 you know the the senseless spats. But I, look, I don't I don't know that this is um, limited to the Republican Party. There are plenty of spats on the Democratic side. Um, there are plenty of spats on the Democratic side as well. Uh, but I, I hear you, Caitlin. So, Towner, what? Um, so, so where does this all land? I mean, where, so, so we, we have the CR that, that gets passed, build back better. Tristan thinks next year, you and I have been saying this year, I think he's, I, I think, you know, I think our original prediction of December is looking, looking less likely, um, debt ceiling, where do we land on debt ceiling? Yeah, I think there's at least, you know, debt ceiling could be the most positive right now after after having it be the the least positive uh, at the end of September uh, and the scariest proposition of a, of a debt ceiling breach. Debt ceiling may be the thing that everybody agrees on the most at this point. As I mentioned, you have McConnell and Schumer speaking to one another behind closed doors, but trying to come up with solutions uh, on the debt ceiling. And both of them agree with postponing it past 
the November 22 elections. There's no disagreement on the on the time frame uh, in which they'd like to extend uh, the funding for the debt ceiling. It's just a matter of tactics at this point and trying to find the right uh, the right you know magic sauce to to get it done legislatively. But um, but nobody wants a default right now, it's, which is interesting. It's right. No, of course. Yeah. It's it's just so interesting the um, like gaming back and forth that these people do taking positions um, for show and then kind of backing off of them. I personally, I don't know if you guys, what you guys think, but does the American public, I don't think the American public pays attention enough to care when the R's posture that they're going to shut down the government over the mandate. And then like, I just, I just don't understand those those games. Yeah, I mean, maybe I'm wrong. I don't think the American people really realize that government funding. I mean, they would have known if we would have not passed some form of government funding and then the government would have shut down, then they would have been aware. But I don't think most of the American people this week was focused on whether or not we were going to pass a CR in Congress. Right. right. But Mike Lee's going to go on Tucker Carlson tonight, probably, and talk about how he he really pushed for for his uh, you know anti vaccine mandate amendment, and uh, and they got a vote on it, but they just it wasn't an anti vaccine mandate amendment, Towner. <laughs> to defund the ability for the federal government to enforce a vaccine the vaccine mandate. mandate. Yeah, yeah. So, I just don't like anything with anti vaccine in the same sentence. I feel like I wasn't way off there in my description. So so let's shift gears. So it's hard for me to even say these words, but it looks like the pandemic is back. I I don't, I don't know what to even think about. The media sure wants you to think so. Uh, Totally. I mean, it's like an assault. The, I feel like the, you know, since the Omicron thing came up, I, I literally, I feel like we're being assaulted Every 17 seconds with dire information about how much danger we're in. And by the way, like maybe we are and maybe we're not. We don't we don't know what this means, Um, but it's like it just feels like we're being pummeled with information. And I think it's a great point, Caitlin, because the media, the media wants us to think the media wants clicks. And that's what that's what that's about. But they're getting clicks and, you know, inevitably people turn to the administration and say, what are you going to do about this? So they like, what does the administration do? I mean, they've announced these travel measures and it's like a joke. Like, it's the same damn thing. Yeah. Like, it's, it's here. We're not stopping it. What are we doing? They're they're not going to lock it back down. That's for dang sure. Because well, Jen Psaki would not commit to that from the White House podium, but uh, hopefully you're right, Towner. You know, President Fauci, because there's many presidents now, but President Fauci <laughs> said that uh, President Manchin, President Fauci, President Fauci said no more lockdowns. Did he say that? He okay. said he doesn't see the. Well, if he that. said it, then I'm sure that it's going to be. That's 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 the word. Um, but what does the administration do? I mean, is it is it is it just messaging? Is it is it real? Like what you're sitting in that White House, Tristan? What does the administration do about the fact that the 
there's this new variant, which by the way, has probably been around for months and is already in the U S and circulating. And what do they do? And what do we do? You know, the interesting thing is, um, I was talking to some friends of mine and, um, some of them are leaving the white house this week, um, or at the end of the year, um, some of them leaving the, well, most of them leaving the vice president's office. Um, but we were talking uh, to you know some friends, and the the White House has to find a way to instill confidence in the American people, um, and that's across the board. Whether it's the economy, whether it's COVID, you know, there has to be some form of direct message from the White House, you know, putting confidence back into. The American people right now, you know, they don't know what to think. You know, I got two shots getting towards a third full booster. I was told this was going to be good. Now I'm hearing on the news that this new variant, they don't know if my two shots and third booster is going to even be good enough, um, you know, for the, um, you know, for uh, for the new variant. You know, I'll be the first to say, um, you know, as, as folks on this call, on this podcast knows, but for the viewers, you know, I, I suffered from COVID about a month ago and I'm fully, you know, with, with the, well, not the third, but second. 50% <laughs> of, of the podcast did a couple of months ago. <laughs> so it's like, you know, instill confidence in me. <laughs> to make sure that this is actually going to be a thing. So the White House has to first figure out what the message is. And they have to first figure out what to do um, to address this. Because it seems like every six, or every three months at this point now, we're back in this cycle of new variant, of new potential shutdown, of new mass mandates, like new all over again. And so the confidence from the White House has to be a little bit more aggressive than it has been before. I've heard it's I've heard people that are have been the most, I would say, on the furthest extreme of fear of the pandemic. And I'm, by the way, pretty far along on that spectrum, as, as you guys know, a lot of good that did me. Um, uh, but people even further along on that spectrum than I who have said. Omicron, Omicron, like I'm going, I'm going on vacation mm -hmm. and like, and I'm just, I, you know, I can't be held down anymore. I just can't be bothered anymore. I got to move on with life. It's, it's probably how the pandemic ends. Um, but it's, it's odd. It's an odd time. I think, I think we need Jimmy Carter to deliver a speech on the crisis of confidence on the malaise uh, in this country. I need somebody to get up there and, and give us a boost. No pun intended. <laughs> you, know, you know, last time I was on this podcast, we talked about Jimmy Carter. But, you know, it's, 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 yeah, but I think you brought, yeah. you brought him up. You brought him up. Yeah, comparison to Joe Biden. Particularly with this administration. Well, Tristan, you brought up a really good point. We, we've seen a lot about Vice President Harris over the past two weeks and yeah. some of the back and forth about, you know, whether or not there's this kind of informal war between her and the Buttigieg camp. And now we're seeing Simone Sanders, her top senior advisor, announce her resignation this week. And So, Caitlin, now it's okay to talk about the Democrats fighting? 
Of course. Okay, good. Just making sure. I'm just talking right. about current events from the week. Okay. So All right. I'll, I'll pull. I'll, I'll pull a steward uh, on us and uh, and and say, uh, you know, I won't jump in front of the press release, uh, but they are going to, uh, you know, they're going other places that they need to go. Um, you know, some some to uh, associations, others to campaigns that are going to be important uh, going into. Uh, next year. But there is an internal debate uh, about the direction of the vice president's office. Of Some feel like she needs a higher profile. Some feel like she's been given a portfolio that is, you know, it, it, she's Too given hard. a suicide mission, <laughs> so to speak. Uh, the immigration issue was a suicide mission. Um, and, and her words didn't help either. But the fact of, you know, she never been to, to Europe or Germany or somewhere. Um, in comparison to the border. And so there's a lot that has to, you know, they have to figure out. But I've always said that, you know, I felt like she needed, you know, ex- I, I use this word very carefully because they are very experienced people over there. But I feel like she needed White House, particularly vice president's office, people who had that type of experience to at least get her started. You know, coming in later, yes. But the transition of getting her there, getting her settled, I mean, she was a historical vice president. And so a lot of expectations were placed, not just in the American public, but particularly the Black community. Like, they had, oh my God, great, she's there. She can do all these great things. No, wait a minute, she can't. (laughs) And she's just vice president. And so there was a lot of that going back and forth. And so it's a fight. And and you don't, don't even talk about 2024. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's as if Joe Biden has already said he's not running anymore. You would think yep. that that was the case. Yep. Yep. It is there all the time. It is. And by the way, with good reason, because he doesn't look great a lot of the time. Um, so it's, it's fair game, Towner. You look like you want to say something. I, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't know if I want to go. Okay. There. Yeah, no, it's, um, it's yeah. fair game. It's fair game. And, and I got to tell you, I mean, I say this all the time, having been in government, both parties, the number one and the number two, never, ever, ever get along inside any agency. And not, maybe that's a little bit too strong. Rarely. Do the number one and the number two have a functional relationship? Number two always wants to be number one. There's no ambiguity inside these agencies. And obviously the White House takes it to a whole different level. But there is no ambiguity about who's calling the shots. The staff that is driving everything, their loyalty is all, all the way with the top person. And it's just, it's, it, I, over and over and over again, this dynamic exists. There's nothing new about this. And everybody likes to make it look like Biden and Obama. Everything was roses. It's the same darn thing. It's, it, it's, it's always the case. Although I think there's more pressure on Kamala and yeah, Tristan, the, the 2024 backdrop is real and people are, People want to talk about it. My uh, my old boss, uh, when I first got to politics, was Chairman John Spratt of, of the Budget Committee from South Carolina. He's old blue dog, moderate. And he he said, you know, he was talking to a whole bunch of us in the office, his junior staffers. He said, you know, the number one job of the vice president is to always expect to be president. 
that's literally and politically. <laughs> and so it's like, that's literally their job description, but also in their personal mind of like always preparing to be, to be, to, to be president. And so that automatically gives fight. And it, and, and for the president, it's always like, you're supposed to have my back. Like you're supposed to be anything that's negative. Like, why aren't you out there fixing this for me? Or why aren't you addressing this? When bills don't pass, all this going on in the Senate right now of a 50-50 split, why aren't you down there doing what I would be doing if I was in the Senate? You were in the Senate. I was in the Senate. You know how this goes. Why aren't you doing that? So this conversation is very interesting. But the, the ultimate thing is, is that President Biden already said he was going to be a transitional president. And that's a good thing in theory, but you've put great people in, you know, secretary positions and vice president positions. And now all of them are going to be in competition with each other because all of them look like presidential material. Like whether you go from Pete, whether you go to Secretary of Commerce, whether you go to Vice President Harris, like you can go all the way down. All of them would probably, you know, be good candidates. But at the same time, midterms. Midterms are more important and we got to keep our, on the Democratic side, we got to keep our eye on that ball because if we don't, it's failure for 24. I, I think the difficult thing here is that Vice President Harris is looking less and less like presidential material and other cabinet officials who are supposed to be below her are more looking like presidential material. And that's the difficult thing for, for this president to assess. Normally there's a a very clear hierarchy. You go from the cabinet to the VP to the president. And right now, I don't know. I mean, there was a there was a transportation event uh, what yesterday with with uh, Secretary Buttigieg and VP Harris and no. and again, you know, I think uh most of the press coming out of it was more about the the policy chops of uh of of Secretary Buttigieg than it was about VP Harris. Well, he's a very talented guy. I mean, they both are. These people are all smart these people are smart talented people yeah i mean they really are whether at a political level you can go out on the stump and connect with folks that's a different that's a different issue mm -hmm. whether you um can run your political operation in an effective way that's a different issue yeah. but i mean they're all talented i my personal view is if Biden doesn't run, it isn't going to be either one of them that is the Democratic nominee in 2024. But we'll see where Joe Biden is, Caitlin. We'll see what the state of the world is. We'll see whether we're talking about Omicron. By the way, I thought they should have named, they skipped a couple of letters in the Greek alphabet. Omicron should have been G. Yep. And that would have been perfect. Yeah. Um, um, <laughs> No, they couldn't have possibly called it that, Howard. Uh, that, that uh, you know, having having been down for the count with it, that was my view. The World Health Organization, run by China, uh, actually makes this decision. So we we had no. So choice. that's so, why they didn't name it that. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> exactly. All right, guys. Well, fun as always. Uh, I guess we'll let Mark and Patrick back. Next week yeah. we'll have a couple like of more. This yeah, this is <laughs> this is more civil. We'll have a couple of more uh sessions before uh before we break for the holidays. But we thank everybody for listening. Towner, Caitlin, Tristan, thanks so much. We'll be back next week. Thanks, Howard. Yeah, thanks all. 
You've been listening to The Beltway Briefing, a podcast from Cozen O'Connor Public Strategies with perspectives from both sides of the aisle. Please subscribe to our podcast so our episodes are automatically sent to you when they are released. The Beltway Briefing Podcast has been produced by Hometown Podcasts and Audio, Washington, D.C.